Hello, I'm Sue Marks, Director of Teaching and Learning at Oxford Falls Grammar, and welcome to TikTot, an acronym for Teachers in Conversation Transforming Our Thinking. Through listening to these conversations, you'll learn about the lives of Oxford Falls Grammar teachers, discovering what makes these talented individuals tick. Today's conversation features Rick Dufour, Head of Technology and Applied Studies at Oxford Falls Grammar. Tune in as he shares how he moved from South Africa to Australia and how his background in design and in life coaching have combined to make him the teacher and leader he is today. Welcome Rick, it's so great to have you here with me for this episode of TikTok. Um, Rick, I know you grew up in South Africa and you only made your way over to Sydney quite some time later. I wonder if you would mind sharing a little bit about exactly where you grew up in South Africa and a little bit about what your own schooling was like there growing up. Oh, thank you, Sue. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, South Africa in a small town called Westville. I went to a local primary school called Athol Heights. I used to ride my bicycle there. I did a lot of uh, swimming, athletics and cricket and was in a school play and got to do some speeches in wow. assembly growing up. That sort of typical, I think, local community primary school. Um, then graduated there in year seven and went up to our local high school, which was a all-boys semi-private government uh, high school called Wessel Boys High. And that was from year eight to year 12. Uh, yeah, wonderful place. Got to do a lot, of, a lot of interesting things there. Got to grow myself a lot and was part of a, a really large school. Blazers, ties, mm. discipline, manners, uh, respect sort of drilled into you from day one. Prefects and mentorship were part of the program as well. And then staffing, uh, also a fantastic amount of uh, really talented people teaching me. I was really, really grateful having that opportunity. Mm. Sounds fantastic. It sounds um, not unlike our school here at Oxford Falls Grammar, uh, particularly in terms of the, the co-curricular offerings. It sounds like you, you really were able to develop a rounded um, sense of yourself. Um, you said you mentioned sport. Were you interested in sport? Yes, I loved sports. So uh, being an all-boys school, I didn't tell everyone that I, I was doing dancing, ballroom dancing in the evenings, obviously. Uh, really? As well. But uh, I did athletics, cross-country, water polo, rugby, cricket for, for my sins occasionally when I started. <laughs> and then I was a part of the school play and did visual arts, uh, photography, things after school and, you know, surfing and that sort of stuff. So, so fantastic. Really, really rounded. Yeah, really, mm. really big sports fields. There's lots of space there, a little bit different to Sydney, I suppose. Yeah. Easier to have space. Uh, so really helpful to have that kind of facility on tap. Yeah, great. And ballroom dancing. Oh, yeah, you didn't know that, did I, you? No, tell me. Did you... <laughs> That's how I met my wife. My mum runs a... Uh, a Borum in Latin American school, so my wife and I both represented our state in South Africa, and she was a national champion for Zimbabwe for. Wow! Years, so, yeah. so such eclectic tastes: cricket and ballroom dancing, not and visual arts. Yes, well, water polo more than cricket, if I can help it. But yes, yes fantastic. That sounds great. <laughs> and when you were at school, Rick, in um, Durban, were there were there any teachers who made a particular impact on you? Many, uh, most of them really positive. A couple negative ones. I think that's what drives. A lot of teachers into teaching is to be able to give back the way that they were were sort of supported in school. For me, I know for I think biggest impact would have been my athletics coach, Mr. Alan Parrott, and uh, also my visual arts teacher, Mr. Paul Lichkis. So, with your visual arts teacher, I know because it's similar to the sort of area you ended up going into. Yes. What what sort of an impact did he have on you? What what was it about him that that made you feel that um, he was an important teacher in your life? Um, I, I really enjoyed the fact that he 
was fun and had a bit of banter in the classroom and made every lesson, every, every sort of lesson interesting or left us alone to our own devices to work on our projects. But I think beyond that was more the mentorship, the, mm. the conversations around career, the conversations around what you're doing well, the stern warnings and adjustments that were required, uh, shock tactics to get you to, you know, think outside the box and the conversations that also didn't just revolve around the syllabus content, but also just about life and I think the extra hours in particular, mm. uh, where Friday afternoons we used to have a, you know, arts club where we'd sit and we'd be able to work on the new Apple Macs that came in. I got to design a school magazine, I think in year 10, on the new new Apple Mac. Uh, that was this big thing back then. But wow. going to the Shape Museum with our year 12s uh, last year, I saw it in the, in the museum and... Uh, was quite sad to see something that I thought was new tech already in the museum. In the museum as an historical (laughs) artifact. Yes, so different. (laughs) Fantastic. Uh, Well, he sounds like an amazing man and and someone who had a big impact on you. Um, So fast forward a little bit to the point where you left school. Um, What did you do next, Rick? Did Did you go on to do your teacher training straight away? I was really indecisive as to what I wanted to do. I did really well with a lot of subjects, and I think for me, finding an area of passion was the the key, um, as opposed to just chasing finance and glory. Mm. I just wanted to make sure I had a contribution to something. Mm. I got into a fine arts school and also into a design and technology school to do graphic design, and ended up instead listening to my father and going into university to get a degree. I started studying psychology and communications for marketing sort of purposes. Mm. But halfway through my first year, I decided, no, I missed doing the, the people and the graphics, and I ended up working as a graphic designer for about a year and a half oh, after wow. that. Yeah. yeah, okay, fantastic. And um, what about after that? Um, how long between working as a graphic designer uh, and coming to Sydney? Oh, wow, okay, many years. I think I worked in teaching in South Africa for about eight years. So after doing the graphic design for about a year, or two, I started doing Friday afternoon graphic classes at the school, Wester Boys High School. uh, Well, where you went to school as a student. Yes, and um, I cancelled the degree I was was looking at studying and moved across into picking up uh, an education degree, a Bachelor of Education, majoring in visual arts and English and uh, technology. So that was because of Mr. Lichkus again, actually. He came and said to me, look, you have a real knack with this. You have a good rapport with the students, and they really seem to enjoy having you teach. So I did a five-year internship or four-year internship that became five while working and studying uh, correspondence at the same time. Oh, fantastic. And so you worked a little bit as a teacher in South Africa and then you came out to Sydney. Yes. What what drove that change? Uh, what, what led you to come out here to Sydney? Oh, just the opportunity and the weather. I'd come on a sports tour from Whistle Boys when I was in year... Uh, 11 so I'd seen a bit of the country and I really loved it and I saw I'd never come across though because as a South African uh, sportsman (laughs) Australians and Africans have no love lost there on the field but um, yeah it's a little bit of rivalry but I I really loved the the culture and and the opportunities here were were wonderful Uh, there's a a much bigger pay discrepancy for opportunity wise I was running a couple businesses in South Africa while teaching uh, doing coaching, doing uh, dancing, as I mentioned, mm. and then also teaching at the same time. So just to sort of cover things and get ahead there was a lot more challenging. And to see that I could teach and have a great lifestyle and really 
explore the world. I've always wanted to explore the world. I thought, mm. let's come across here. But COVID's kind of put a stop to that for now. Yes. Really hoping we can get overseas and do some traveling in the holidays this year. Sounds great. Sounds great. So you arrived in Sydney um, with your wife and then um, you tell us a little bit about your first appointment in Sydney or in New South Wales and then um, about how you came to be at Oxford Falls Grammar with us. Yeah. Um, interesting story. My first appointment actually got given to me by working in a school up in Cessnock through St. Philip's Christian College. Uh, I went to a church service and ended up doing the meet and greet afterwards and sat next to uh, ended up being the, I suppose, the original founder of the whole college. Oh, wow. And I said, oh, well, that'd be wonderful. If I can find a good teacher, I'll let you know. And he said, found my humor quite funny. So, <laughs> so he gave me his business card and I got some casual work there. Ended up working, doing some special needs students up in Waratah for their school for a while. Right. And got a post down in Sydney when my wife moved here for work. And I did some uh, gifted and talented work for year six, actually, as my first post year, covering a mat- uh, maternity post for six months. Oh, fantastic. So it was on the Camino class, the year yes, six the Camino Camino's. class. Yeah, what a wonderful group of children that was. Yes, I believe you had my little scallywag of a son there, so I do remember that. Yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, they had there was a lot of banter in that class, and they adored Mr. Dufour. So... Um, and then, but you didn't stay there. You didn't stay there. You you ended up somehow in the senior school at Oxford Falls Grammar. Tell yes, us about that crossing transition. Crossing over, crossing over with Mr. Dufour. I th- I think I felt that class was so great. I had to follow them. Let's go with that. <laughs> uh, no, I got the, the maternity post ended, and I applied for work at the high school as a another uh, opportunity came up here in the TAS department. And I worked under the then hot Ali Warren. A uh, wonderful lady, and she mentored me through that year. It got my understanding of my expertise from visual arts in South Africa, which actually crosses over into TAS uh, here, and just understanding how those outcomes worked in Australia. And then from there, just really spent the year working and teaching here at Oxford Falls. Really great experience. Unfortunately, that role wasn't ongoing, so I took a full time role the following year as a uh, business consultant for Dale Carnegie using my life coaching experience there to work with teams. Oh, okay. So hold on a bit. Um, you're talking here about your life coaching skills. So tell us a little <laughs> bit, just wind back a bit. That sounds like something that would be very interesting to, to our parents because um, I guess, you know, you'd need to know a little bit about how people tick in order to do that well. Tell us a little bit about um, your experience with life coaching. Uh, it started back in South Africa. I did a, a course there and then ran part of my business was running that for teenagers, for career decisions, and also just understanding uh, team dynamics inside the school I was working at. We ran through a strengths finder profile where we looked at the unique uh, makeup of everyone's personalities and behavioral traits, and then just working out what are the things they need so that mm. we know what they're really great at and where it is perhaps they need, much like classroom teaching, where is it that we might need some scaffolding so we have people in the right place for the right things and for students just being able to pick up what it is that they're great at as mm. opposed to putting them down for something that we you know often label people for things that are actually really strong qualities and mm. you wouldn't want a a tv host to not be influential and uh, be able to speak in public but often classrooms might be like hey that's it's not, time, to, it's be time quiet to be quiet and, and, to, and just squash them down a bit. Yeah, yeah. So where can we move them? What can they study that's going to be beneficial for them? What direction can they head in? Yes, we need to learn to temper those and, and, yes. and we can understand at least. And I find understanding is the first step to, to realising uh, less reactive, more 
proactive behaviour. Oh, sounds sounds marvellous. Yeah. I guess um, <laughs> well, just knowing how individuals tick is so important, and and I guess honouring that and valuing people's differences, yes. and realising that those uh, qualities in individuals can be harnessed for the benefit of the team, yes. um, rather than as you say, being afraid of difference. Yes, very yeah. much so. That's very well put. Yeah, so that that sounds fabulous. Um, so you're the head of TAS, Technology and Applied Studies, and I know there are many um, subjects that fall under the banner of TAS yes. at our school. Um, can you tell us a little bit about those areas, uh, those subjects within the Department of TAS? And then if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about... Um, what kinds of skills a, a student might need to have if they were interested in pursuing TAS subjects in years 11 and 12? Excellent. Uh, we have three key areas that we focus on here. One is food technologies, where students learn about uh, how to make food, the manufacturing process, agricultural practices, nutrition, and also a bit of business. So I think we have some of our past students who've started their own catering companies and things All like right, that too. Wow. Perhaps those who are just interested in the practical side will enjoy it more in year 9 and 10 where they do a lot more cooking, uh, but in 11 and 12 the theory content does become a lot more uh, substantial. There's no major project involved there though, and they do get to make food and we have a lot of outreach stuff that we do and uh, events at school that they're involved in as well, which is really, really great for experience. And yeah, and I know too in the food tech domain that it's not that long ago that our um, facilities were revamped. And yes. There's a really fabulous area that the students get to work in now, a fully fitted out kitchen with all the all the mod cons. So Yes, yeah, I, I, I'm always pushing for, for more modern uh, upgrades and, and food printers and things like that too. And we have fantastic facilities that, that are ready. So uh, it's a very, very sort of the subject area too. There's mm. a large demand of people wanting to get in there, so it's almost mm. like a waiting list, oh, is which, right? which is yeah. great. So I think for parents, also nice to have uh, students ready to go into uni when they do leave home, knowing they can make uh, healthy meals for themselves, not mm. just going to be the takeout generation, you know. It's also important for me um, from a health point of view as mm. well. So Fantastic. So that's food technology. And some of the other areas, Rick? Uh, there's three. So design tech is the next one, and then I'll talk about uh, industrial technologies, multimedia. Design technologies, uh, we have a really wonderful array of equipment that children can use, but that's for people who like to solve problems. I often see people going into architecture, engineering, or, or some sort of design program in university, or if they're wanting to go into an apprenticeship and work in industry that way, they kind of like to solve problems. So I think if you look at people complaining, it's kind of prevalent everywhere. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the standard, easy to criticize, easy to say, oh, climate change is a problem but different thing to design a solution for that and great people looking at this would be like Elon Musk's of the world where yeah. they're able to think oh there's a big problem here I'd like to build a solution for that and we teach them the basic software skills and design thinking skills and problem solving skills mm -hmm. where they're able to be critical thinkers and they can analyze issues and build solutions for it so in year 12 they make a major project they use the CNC router they use the laser cutters they use some uh, other modern tech and, and robotics as well as obviously our timber works. We don't do metal work here, but uh, yeah. it's all those combinations that really allow them as well as textiles and designing solutions for for problems around not just fashion, but um, other surfing and other sort of areas that children are interested in too. Oh, sounds fantastic. So really um, 
thinking about problems in creative ways and coming up with solutions. Yes. Amazing. And then you, your specialty, um, the multimedia area, would you like to just shed a bit of light on that? Uh, yes. Uh, without being biased, obviously industrial technologies, multimedia is the most fun for me. I love design tech as well because of the solution orientation, but multimedia in our school, we really focus on students really love at the moment this year making videos although there's a range uh, some love doing animation i've got boys and girls working in blender and unreal 5 at the moment and wanting to make games and design sort of uh, metaverse i think is kind of the the biggest uh, talking point at the moment where they're looking at vr and ar and the integration of of this life and technology going forward and mm. our subject area works on making those videos, making games, learning how the software works, as well as graphic design, desktop publishing, things like Photoshop, Illustrator, being able to use InDesign, industry standards along those things too, as well as we work with the industry studies, which is kind of like business studies light is how I compare it for my students who, mm. who do business studies. They find there's a lot of crossover between the two, but definitely a great base for getting into industry or even um, starting your own thing and having hours on the tools is really helpful too. And definitely the range of opportunities at universities these days across our subject areas is really, really large. Yeah, I mean, I imagine it's an ever-changing field because technology yes. is, is changing all the time. So your subject area um, must keep you on your toes. <laughs> um, yeah, that's why I'm really grateful to have such a good team. I think we've got 12 highlighted specialists here this year, last year with about 13 or 14 some part-timers but everyone's got experience from industry already generally mm. and they've come in and they have a passion for teaching and and, and that uh, collegiality with students and relationships are really good too but they also have this very quirky nature around their specific tools that they really have an expertise in and mm. we get to share and learn those from each other whilst we also uh, you know have our own way of thinking and processing solutions we get to hear and see how others are able to collaborate and do those those solutions in a different way. I actually find that really exciting to to see the teachers in your department including yourself being lifelong learners and modeling that for the students mm. I think that's a really really powerful thing. Um, Rick we've been talking a lot about technology and obviously um, it's it's integral to your subject um, but it also plays a huge role in the life of teenagers today. Yes, definitely. And I think a lot of the parents listening would be able to um, resonate with the notion that um, technology can be quite a handful to manage um, because our kids um, love their screens mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and spend a lot of time on them. I'm just wondering, as a head of a department in which technology is so integral to your subject areas, um, do you have any thoughts to offer on how parents might be able to manage um, the obsession of students these days with technology? <laughs> yes, um, without trying to give parenting advice, thanks for asking. I mm. think uh, everyone's got their own way of focusing on, on technology. And for me, growing up, I know one of the techniques my parents used on me was for every hour I did in tech or wanting to watch a screen, I had to do an hour of something else, whether it was chores around the house, uh, sport activity or reading or homework. It had to be a, a balance to try and teach me that, you know, uh, if you're going to use tech to veg, different to, to using it for work, mm. then you need to have a reason where you've used something else for that. You're not just trying to escape reality by doing mm. that. Mm. And I think we can't avoid um, 
we can't avoid it. You're not going to not be able to have it. So it's about learning how to manage those online conversations, mm. learning to be responsible. And as if you were talking to someone in person, you know, it's very easy to become a keyboard warrior. And we see a lot of that negative uh, back and forth on social media when mm. there's no face behind it. But just remembering that, you know, these are people you're talking to. And once it's up, it's very hard to get rid of that mm. information once you put it on there. So educating that our children and in, in the case of the school, our students around appropriate use of technology, but also moderating use of it and remembering yes. the importance of human face-to-face -face contact. Yeah, so well, we, don't have, uh, we don't have cell phones during the school day here, for example. Yeah, that's right. A, that's a simple Yeah, that's a good point. Them. And I use tech all the time in my class, but it's a, it's a give and take. And I think if, if you, yeah, if we don't try to force it, it's also a good option. That sounds, that sounds really sensible. Um, and look, finally, Rick, um, I'm just wondering if we could end on your thoughts on what you enjoy most about your job. So your job is multifaceted. You are a teacher um, of TAS, but you're also a head of department. What is it about your job that gets you up in the morning that really um, gives you a buzz? It's the variety and the interaction with the team and the students. For me, it's the relationships. So being able to influence and mentor people whilst being on the cutting edge of of what's happening in technology means I'm always having to learn and grow, uh, which is good because I think it's hard to tell someone to do something like a year 12 student when you're not doing it yourself. <laughs> yeah, but that's definitely, I think, something I love the most is being able to mentor them and, and see them go from what am I going to do this year to a success by the end of it. Oh, that's fantastic. And um, we're so grateful to have you here at the school. Everyone knows how relational you are and what a huge contribution you make to our school. So thanks for joining us today on TikTok. Thank you. Thank you, Sue. Thanks for tuning in to discover a bit about Rick and his leadership of our TAS department at OFG. I look forward to you joining me for our next episode of TikTok.